Hi, I'm Alex Bellinger and this is Small Biz Pod on Tuesday the 30th of October. Coming up in today's show, I have an interview with Will King, who is founder and CEO of the well-known shavings products group King of Shaves, or KMI. And uh, we really get to hear, uh, I think, quite an inspiring tale of how uh, passion, belief, persistence brought uh, King of Shaves to success uh, from a point where at that its first year uh, it had sales of £300 and losses of 30000 uh, losses that continued to grow for some while. So how did uh, Will King move his business from those early days to a point where he is now uh, challenging Gillette for number one spot in the UK? And so, yep, I'm sure you're all going to enjoy that interview. Uh, Will's a passionate guy, so uh, stay tuned, as it were, for that. Now, if you listen to the last episode of Small Biz Pod, you'll know that I'm currently running a, a survey on the website, smallbizpod.co.uk. If you visit the homepage there and click on the uh, iPod Touch uh, image, that'll take you through to a, a quick survey, literally take you about five or ten minutes, uh, about what you would like to see uh, developing from Small Biz Pod by way of content and ideas and, and information and so on and so forth. So I'd be really, really grateful if you'd uh, have a go over there and uh, check out the survey. Uh, the, you know, you, you, let's face it, you've got a chance to win an iPod Touch, an 8 gigabyte iPod Touch. They're really, really cool. I've got one and uh, it is gobsmackingly gorgeous. Um, you may want an iPhone. Well, that's tough. <laughs> How about a free iPod Touch? You get it, you stand a chance of winning a free iPod Touch. I'll announce the winner. He'll be picked from a hat just before Christmas or sort of first couple of weeks of December anyway. So please do go and fill out that survey if you haven't already. Really much appreciated. All done confidentially. You don't have to impart any information, uh, personal information. So it'll be aggregated information and anonymous. So any feedback much much appreciated and uh, cross your fingers for that ipod touch and i just want to say a big thank you to uh, sage for their very kind sponsorship of small biz pod it's really very much appreciated and makes uh, a lot of things possible that wouldn't otherwise be possible uh, so thank you sage um sage a company that over 25 years has really listened to its customers in order to create their business software and services around them uh, making sure that they they're really providing those customers what they need and want to uh, run their businesses more effectively and efficiently um, and Sage's software and services range from accounts payroll forecasting and business intelligence to customer relationship management e-business and help for startups and they also offer services uh, along the lines of sort of excel support hr advice health and safety advice and and training courses so a wide range of things there for uh, a broad range of businesses including startups and uh, medium-sized businesses. So thank you, Sage. Now, I will come on to comments at the end of the show. Uh, I've saved a few over from the last show, but let's first go straight to that interview with Will King from King of Shaves. Okay, well, we all know that starting and running a business, uh, particularly in the early days, can be a real roller coaster, um, and one roller coaster which has rolled higher and lower, perhaps than than many, 
um, certainly at the beginning, um, it was KMI, uh, King of Shaves. You may well be familiar with the, with the brand, which is now number two in the UK, uh, just behind Gillette in terms of uh, sort of shaving preparation products, which is an astounding feat by uh, a company that was launched by Wilking in 1993. But things were not easy from the outset. And I'm delighted to say that... Um, Chief Exec, Will King, CEO of uh, KMI, um, King of Shaves, is here on Small Biz, to, Small Biz Pod today. So uh, welcome to the show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, um, tell us about your early days. Uh, I know that back in sort of 92, 93, you, you stumbled across an idea that you thought was a good one. Um, and tell us, tell us a little bit about how the story went from there. Yeah, I mean, basically in the early 90s, there was a big recession in the UK um, that was really gripping it. And I was made redundant from my marketing job, launching conferences, um, launching products in conferences and exhibitions. In fact, the last project I worked on was the launch of a Duracell product with the um, TV presenter Nick Ross. Okay. And um, I was literally made redundant a couple of weeks later. The marketing spends dried up. But I sort of thought, you know, batteries are still being sold. And, of course, they were. It just there wasn't a lot of money being spent behind them as companies reined in their, um, their marketing spend. Yeah. So I sort of, um, as I guess you do, you sort of think, well, you know, products, what could I do? What do I know about products? Or what annoys me? Or what do I think advantages? Or what could I do? And whereas Charles Dunstan, I guess, sort of got involved in selling mobile phones as, or car phones, as they then were, mm. um, I hated shaving. And um, as chance happened... My then girlfriend um, had dry skin, and she used baby oil on her skin to make it nice and silky. Mm-hmm. And I put some of this under my Gillette series shaving foam and had a shave and didn't get razor burn for the first time in my life. And like <laughs> right. many men, I had rashy, yeah. itchy skin, and you sort of wore ties. And um, in fact, you wear ties now. You wore ties then. Um, and it, it, it felt really nice. And it was the first time in my life. And I was 26, mm-hmm. um, just about turned 27 then, and, and didn't get razor burns. So I thought, oh, that shaving oil, that's worked for me. And the next day, just shaved with the oil. No foam, no gel, no cream. Yeah. See where I was shaving. Didn't look like Santa Claus, dropping foam all over the bathroom floor. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I guess had the second of what came to be king of, the king of shaves, the world's best shave. And that's literally how the business started. But... Um, it was sort of a bit of a rocky ride from the next five years. I was deep in the valley of death, but we managed to pull it up to the top of the um, the roller coaster, sort of um, the hill, so to speak. Yeah. So deep in the valley of death or deep in the valley of debt? <laughs> oh, both, both, both. So it was um, it was very difficult, to be honest with you. I mean, I had the backing of my friends and family, but the to give your your listeners the idea it is first-year sales were, were a less than stunning 300 pounds at wholesale mm. and first-year losses were a somewhat bigger 30,000 pounds um, um, so my dad who in his early days was a chartered accountant did my accounts for me yeah. um, because I couldn't afford to pay an accountant um, but in that first year we'd started doing what's called building the brand and we'd we'd sold the brand into Harrods and those first 300 pounds of sales were literally what Harrods sold yeah yeah um, but basically then what happened is um, with Mohammed Al-Fayed having taken it in, I'd, I'd picked up the phone to Mr. Al-Fayed and cold called him basically. My first job was selling ad space. Yeah. Um, and then Boots saw it was in there and I repeatedly banged on the Boots door, drove up and down the M1 to Nottingham. Yeah, yeah. And after three visits and 
cooling my heels in reception, they took it in, and the next year sales were £58,000. But, of course, you have the working capital issues, yeah, the expenditures, yeah. the overheads, the staff, everything to do, and our losses were another £70,000. So yeah. two years in, we had sales of 58300 mm-hmm. and we had losses of 100 yeah. Um And, you know, it was pretty difficult. I mean, people were putting money into the business, um, friends and family. Yeah. Um, and I'm absolutely reassuring them that, yes, one day we are going to be bigger than Wilkinson Sword, and we are going to be challenging Gillette for world shaving supremacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I guess, you know, once you've built the brand, um, you what Boots obviously deliver is volume, um, yeah. volume sales, and Boots is a very trusted brand, which is why it's valued so highly and sold to KKR for so much money. Yeah. Um, plus the fact it you know, dispenses a lot of drugs that make you better. And, and it does volume, um, and it does very good volume. So the next year sales of the single shaving oil were actually £258,000, and we made £1,000. Yeah. And yeah. at which time we'd still not paid ourselves anything. I mean, we were still um, well, still now £99,000 in debt, so to mm, speak. Mm. But we'd assigned our debtor book to what was then called Alex Laurie, which is now oh, Lord's yeah. um, Commercial Finance, Lord's TSB Commercial Finance. Yeah. So we'd signed them a debtor book of about £56,000, so they advanced us 80% of that, which was very nice of them. Yeah. And then fourth year, we did 500000 quid and made about forty grand. and fifth year, did a million and made 125 and yeah, I and started paying myself again. You're so on the roll then. So you've got to have the faith, really, when you're in the valley of death and the valley of debt, that yeah. you don't want to be deluding yourself if it's still digging a deeper and deeper hole probably five years in. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if if sales had been, if you hadn't had that interest, I suppose that that self um, self created break, as it were, in terms of getting into Harrods and then and then and then really banging on the the door of Boots. If you hadn't had that, uh, would those would those first couple of years just have seen it perish? I mean, or, or would you have been? Do you what What do you think you learnt in those early days about uh, about what makes a successful new product or a successful business? I mean, there's quite a few things, really. I mean, in the early days, you've got to have a passion and a persistence for what you're doing. You Mm. know, if you can't transfer your passion and your enthusiasm for what you're doing to other people and convince them one day in a commercial world it's going to make them money, then why would they possibly bother taking it? So whilst um, I was delighted that that Harrods stopped the King of Shades, because I said, you know, how could Harrods possibly not stop a brand called King of Shades, (laughs) the sort of brand that Harrods is? Yeah. Um, I broke Selfridges with exactly the same proposition and the buyer laughed me out of court and said it would never sell. And I'd also approached Debenhams and I'd also approached the Covent Garden General Store mm. and I'd approached a lot of other potential retailers that some of which don't exist now, yeah. but Harrods took it on. Yeah. So, you, you know, you need to have a pa- the passion of persistence, but you don't want to be stupidly persistent. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So common um, sense is a, a, a large part in entrepreneurial success. Yeah, and, you've, and, and then you've got to sort of have a certain confidence and common sense in yeah. what you're doing. So you can't be deluding yourself that what you're selling is, is in your mind, you know, you can't be just silly and you're carrying on selling something that, that really is silly and people are telling you it's silly and you're not listening to them. Mm. But for me, I guess, I shaved with the product every single day and still do. Yeah. And enjoy it and, and smile wryly to myself in the morning when I have a, <laughs> a shave with this King of Shave shaving oil or gel or whatever development product I'm using now. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and I think, well, if I'm still shaving with it and I'm still enjoying it, then I think a lot of other people will be. And, of course, they are, which is how we've grown so massively behind, to be, become behind Gillette and bigger than Nivea and, and L'Oreal. So that's yeah. fantastic. Now, but um, in the early days... 
you've also got to have a um, belief in yourself and a belief in the team that you're building around you that, that you, you know, you're digging the foundations for a house that's yet to be built. And people yeah. forget that houses are built on foundations. Yeah. And yeah. everybody expects instant success. And the reality of instant success is it's, there's no such thing as instant success. Even if it's .com, it still takes months and years. Yeah. To manifest itself. So, I mean, but people often get distracted in the trench digging away at the foundations and give up. Yeah. So yeah. keep going if you genuinely believe in the product. And you reckon, I mean, from what you were saying, about four years, four years before you could, you could genuinely see sort of profit and. Yeah, I, I think with any business, I mean, I, I'm with King of Shades. I mean, I, I was fortunate to be born with a surname King. Yeah. Um, and coincidentally, the first name of Gillette was a chap called King Cam oh, Gillette. Really? So it's a bit oh, spooky, right. really. And yeah. <laughs> I managed to get the name trademarked, and it's a laudatory mark, King of Shades. And I thought, therefore, you know what? Why wouldn't at one stage in my life this band be worth literally billions of dollars be competing with the old King of Shaving, Gillette, and we could be the new King of Shaving, yeah. sort of Apple of the scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, in my, in my heart of hearts, all the way back in 93, 94, 95, I sort of believed that the brand could be a big brand. Now, it takes time to create big brands. Mm, um, mm. So you believe in the doing of it and the development of it. And, but depending on your business and your business model, if you're building a brand that you intend to have global aspirations, mm. you're not going to build it in two months. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So from my perspective, I guess, if I'd have still been knocking my head against a brick wall and a turnover that's flatlining at, say, half a million quid after five years, mm, as, mm. as opposed to doubling and then trebling um, every year, then clearly you might look at it a bit differently. Of course, now you've established such a, uh, I suppose, a well-known brand, I mean, and a, and a growing brand and a brand to, to rival Gillette and Nivea and so on and so forth, that you can then... Uh, roll out a whole kind of range of products around that brand. Is that is that how it works? Although I do notice that you've you've got kind of other brand names that don't hang from King of Shaves necessarily. Yeah, I mean, what we have is is the company, the holding company, in essence, the Procter and Gamble. Let's call it a mini Procter and Gamble is called KMI. Yeah, and that's the limited company that owns the intellectual property, the trademarks, the patents, the brand names, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. King of Shaves is is obviously the one that I set the business up with in '93. Um, and then in 1997, we were fortunate enough to meet and then subsequently license the rights from Ted Baker, the fashion brand, to do yeah. a range of toiletries and fragrances for that brand. Okay. Yeah. What, what you've got at the time is you've got a basket of brands. And if you look at Potts & Gamble or, or Coty, they have brands they license, they have brands that they own. Um, some are in luxury, some are in mass, some are in household, some are in laundry, some are in stack bars, some are in cleaning. And what I'm evolving KMI into is sort of like a boutique, a minor version of a Procter & Gamble or mm. a Unilever, but with brands that are very early in their lives as opposed to brands, say, like Fairy or Gillette, which are very yeah. you know, big and substantial in theirs. I mean, clearly you, you, you've learned a, a phenomenal amount as you've gone along um, because you weren't an entrepreneur when you started. No. What mistakes did you make and keep on making that took you the longest to put right, as it were, or recognise were mistakes? Um, you know, it's a difficult one, that, because I guess I've made a huge number of mistakes. And you look back and I've managed to skip across the stepping stones of the fast-flowing river and come out relatively unscathed on the other side. And, mm. and when I, I do sort of interviews like this or presentations, it's, you look back and you sort of think, that all sort of quite made sense. Um, 
what bedevils the the early startup guys is this: you've got to juggle a lot of stuff because yeah. you don't know which bit's going to work. So, to give you an example, when I set up KMI King of Shades in '93, mm-hmm. um, through a quirk of fate, we were offered a clothing distributorship for a brand called Body Glove, which was a surfwear brand and then very big with the TV show Baywatch. Okay, um, yeah. that's what the you know Pam Anderson ran along the yeah, beach yeah. wearing a Body Glove swimsuit. Yeah, and I thought. So I set up alongside the KMI business, a clothing business called Core Brands, and it had the, the clothing rights to do this. So I drive around the country in a white transit van with a couple of dogs and a, a Dell <laughs> computer running 50 megahertz, <laughs> setting up a sample rail of clothing and selling this sample rail of clothing to surf shop owners. Yeah. And then plugging in my Winfax Pro, if you remember that bit of software, I do, I do. the phone line with my yeah. computer. and dialing up Boots' is facts and seeing if by chance they'd ordered any King of Shades. <laughs> they, they may have ordered, they ordered in quantities of three, multiples of 300. So say if 600, 600 bottles had come through, that's 600 times £1.27. Um, plus that, and I, I was claiming the VAT back, losing money, so I banged that off. So, yeah. But there was obviously a massive distraction yes. there. Because yeah. I, I, I didn't know that at that time King of Shades, it was going to do the heady number of 58,000 quid in sales. And my body glove sales were actually much higher at 250,000 quid. Yeah. But the problem was with body glove is, A, the clothing when it turned up from the Dutch um, central distributor wasn't what had been sold to the surfway shops. And secondly, right. surfway shops don't pay their bills. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. The, the deal that we had on the factoring with what was then called um, um, Barclays, Barclays um, Invoice Discounting or Barclays Commercial Factors. Yeah. These, these surf shops didn't pay, so it turned into a nightmare of, of me chasing of the debt being reassigned to this business and me mm. personally chasing these, chase, chasing these surf shops to pay the bills yeah. at the detriment of the King of Shades business, which obviously I wasn't marketing because I couldn't do 25-hour <laughs> yeah. days with eight-day eight, eight weeks. So, so when did you cut your losses but, and quit? Well, this is where, where I'm sort of coming to yeah. is... You juggle a lot, but then you have to realize when you only want to juggle one ball and catch it safely with both hands. And basically, the body glove business, um, for a number of reasons, it wasn't looked at the same way by me and the investors as the King of Shows business was. It, It looked and had all the appeal of success written all over it, but financially and structurally it was flawed because people weren't paying their bills yeah it was variable clothing it was issuey it was very time intensive very stressful whereas shipping shaving oils into boots even though you're only selling in three to six hundred a week it was easy you know you sort of shipped in same warehouse invoice the same they paid the same boots pay your bills that's that yeah so the decision was taken to for me to stop juggling the core brands ball and we wound that business up. So the investors lost their money in it, but we paid out everybody who was involved in it. But the people who put the money in, you know, wrote off 100 grand. So yeah. there you are. That was just the way yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the King of Shades business, which is a separate limited, just carried on doing what it was doing. Yeah. Um, now it could easily have gone the other way. You know, Quicksilver, brand like Quicksilver, yeah, O'Neill, yeah, yeah. Fatface, yeah. White Stuff. Yeah. Those brands started off very early doors selling to shops like that, and they mm. were successful. Mm, mm. So... I think the point that I'll just, I'll just rewind to making is that if you run the risk of juggling too many balls, and I think my biggest failing even today is I juggle too many balls. I work very hard. I've never worked so hard this past year as I have in the last 15 years. Yeah. So we've got a lot of exciting stuff on the, um, you know, cooking in the oven. Yeah. But I, I do tend to overstretch myself. Um, and I have a mind which, which allows me 
I'm a, I'm a reasonably mean chess player and stuff. And oh, I can sort of visualize uh, the moves out to the end. Yeah, yeah. But you can't make, you know, how many chess boards can he play at once? One, 20, yeah. 50. Um, I think the record is 47 simultaneously played. And yeah. I can't certainly do that. Mm. Um, so it, you've got to concentrate on what is going to make you why you're in it for the first place. The success, the money, the reward, the satisfaction. Yeah. Now, also, I mean, presumably building the right team around you is important, too. Mm. How have you uh, and, you know, perhaps gives you an opportunity to focus on one or two more chessboards to maintain the yeah. analogy. Um, how how have you done that? How have you found that? Um, I mean, that's been critical, really. I mean, it, it, it's I mean, I was lucky again in a way that relatively early early on i was introduced to dinghy sailing by my dad because i was rubbish at golf and my brothers were very good at golf and i was rubbish and i hated it yeah i got into sailing and i ended up being the uk's youngest sailing instructor for dinghies at the national sailing center so you had to manage that team of of instructors to manage the students in boats and there's a lot of variables going on and you very quickly realized you certainly couldn't do it all yourself and you had a very good team so from the king of shows came my perspective um in 1993, I met a chap, or a chap met me, he rented me a snowboard in Val d'Isere when I was sort of stressing about my life and had been taken away by my girlfriend to try and get a break from the, the, all of this startup stuff and yeah. then come out of a well-paid ad job and not earning any money, and it's all stressful. Yeah. Called Andy Hill, who then, you know, I guess was impressed by the sense of passion and desire and I had to do stuff. And he ended up joining us, brought his own computer, in um we paid in the princely sum in 95 or seven thousand pounds a year hmm. um that's all we could afford yeah and he's now my managing director earning a considerable quantum to that shareholder main board director and a main part of my team along with other people you know herbie dale my business partner and chairman who i founded the business with yeah um and then a variety of people that we've built up over the last um, 15 years. We number about um, 30 people in total, um, two in the US and 28 here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's very low staff, staff turnover. People join here, they enjoy it here, I hope. They, they're well rewarded, motivated, and, um, and they stay and they're able to build their own teams around themselves. So from my perspective, as, from a leadership perspective, and on front, there's a massive satisfaction I have in, in getting in somebody like Andy there's yeah. a bloke who goes out on the road to see if we're actually selling in some pharmacy in Lowestoft yeah. um, to him becoming the managing director of the business and me not having to worry about managing directing the business yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a, 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 a team that you carried with you from, from, the, from the early days. Yeah, and I've also always, I mean, I've hired people often when I don't have jobs for them, but because I think they've got talents that I want on board. Um, yeah. Certainly, with what we're planning in terms of our our razor and blades or our hardware aspirations, um, that's been a very big project. And clearly, you need to have all of the angles covered on that in terms of who understands that business. Not necessarily that I'm going to run it like Gillette run theirs, because clearly that's going to be the same as me launching a can of shaving foam versus a can of shaving foam. But I need to understand what the variables are in that. And those people, um, when you find them, you sort of lock them in and bring them in and they work quietly alongside you. But um, the people piece is very important. And I would say now it's our single different, single most, a single biggest challenge is finding great people to work with us and building a great company. It's yeah. very difficult, especially yeah. when you're in full employment. And, you know, you, 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 it's very difficult to find people to, to work with you in that space, um, especially when you're not in central London 
Mm. And we're just on slightly on the outskirts in Chesham. Yeah. Now, just finally, um, I know you'll be speaking at uh, Destination Growth 2007, mm. which is a big, uh, big conference yeah, on business in the east of next, England. Um, next, week. next week, isn't it? Sixth, I think. Sixth of November. That's right. Um, what nugget will people who come and see you take away? Um, crikey, me. I mean, to be honest with you, a lot of people think King of Shaves is American. Oh, do they? And then oh, right. 50% of them have never heard of it, but the 50% who have rave about it. So yeah. I think <laughs> there'll, there'll sort of be, there'll be a mild amazement that there's a guy behind this quirky, what, quasi-American brand, he's actually called King, and he comes from Lowestoft in Suffolk, yes. and he's speaking at Destination Growth. Um, <laughs> what I try to do is I do try to and on the back of my business, we didn't have business cards for many years because I just didn't, I, my, I had the view that people wouldn't come. So I didn't want to remember my name. Giving them a business card wouldn't want them to remember my name. So we didn't yeah, yeah. afford to have any. So I never had any. But when we started doing business in the Far East with Japan and stuff, you have to have them because yeah. otherwise you don't do it. So I had one done. And it, it said on the back of that little legend, which was infuse, exceed, enjoy. And that comes out in my talk, um, what I call E equals MC cubed which is um, if, if you're leading a small business, a small cat business, and you're challenging convention and, and growing it, you've got to enthuse about what you're doing. Yeah. Almost always be enthusiastic. I, you can't just come in grumping around your office. And <laughs> you've had a sad day and you know, life isn't so good. Because actually, your life's pretty good. And yeah. you, you should be sharing that enthusiasm with others. So I'm a big fan of enthusiasm transfer, so to speak. Um, the exceed piece is... I try to be the best I can be. So we have John Terry signed to endorse King of Shaves, um, the England skip. We yeah. signed him before he was appointed England skipper. Um, he's a very down-to-earth guy. Um, obviously leads a somewhat rarefied and different life to most of us. But yes. nonetheless, he's your average 27-year-old as far as I yeah. can see. And yeah. he and I seem to get on quite well. But he, he tries to be the best he can be. And, yeah. you know, he didn't pull a sickie when he had his cheekbone crushed in and got the mask yeah. on and went out there. And you know what? I'm not sure I would have done that with a guy coming up, maybe giving me an elbow in that yeah, wound. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big ask to do that, yeah. whether you paid a lot of money or not. So he tries to exceed at what he does, and then finally you've got to enjoy it. Yeah. And if, if you don't enjoy what you're doing, and you're not getting a personal satisfaction piece out of it, and you don't think, you know, this is really good, actually, and I'm satisfied with the team or the brand yeah. or the growth or the opportunity or the what, whatever... Then, then why should anybody else enjoy it? So enthusiastic, exceeding joys, I think, what they'll take away and, and conveyed with a passion and a persistence to, um, to exceed expectation. That's just the way it is. Well, King, I think that's a good place to end. Thank you very much for your time Thank today. you very much. I really enjoyed that. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. So there you have it, definitely, Will, there, uh, uh, a CEO who hasn't lost any passion for his business, uh, exudes uh, enthusiasm, uh, and as he says, uh, a key element to making the sale, uh, getting people on board, motivating people, keeping everyone interested and motivated. So all good stuff from Will. Thanks very much for that. Now, on to some comments. Uh, first of all, Kelvin Jones, he has sent me diary entry number four. Uh, and uh, his celebrity wedding has taken place, and uh, he's back on the back on the scene. But it'll be next episode, which won't be that long ago, that long to wait uh, to uh, before we uh, stick in his next um, episode in terms of the diary of a wanderpreneur. Uh, but let's move on to uh, some other comments. Uh, Paul Anthony uh, wrote to say, uh, firstly, the podcast has been the greatest thing I've stumbled upon online for a while. 
and uh, his flattery is followed up by I've decided to offer Small Biz Pod listeners discounted rates for website design and development, 35% off my normal rates. Uh, I don't really do those kind of uh, um, promos for listeners because otherwise there'd be nothing but promos on Small Biz Pod. Uh, but uh, if you click on his name in the website, you'll, you'll, you'll find his, uh, his web design business and uh, hey, you might get 35% off. So there we are, a bit of a one-off, uh, albeit that um, I also had an email from uh, a long-standing listener called James Hunter, who uh, has uh, a Chris corporate Christmas card or business Christmas card initiative going for the next eight weeks. Um, orders have to be in by the 15th of November. And again, there's a special 25% discount this time for Small Biz Pod listeners. So there we are. Two plugs for some special deals for you guys out there listening. Uh, I won't be doing those very often. In fact, hardly ever at all. So uh, please don't deluge me with them. Uh, just consider that to be a bit of a Christmas, early Christmas spirit for two, one long-standing listener and one new li- listener. So there we are. You, James, uh, and um, Paul were lucky. Now, uh also had a good email from Jonathan Morris, who says, first love the podcast. It was the second one that I found from searching iTunes and I'm hooked. My BlackBerry finally has another use uh, other than responding to emails and reminding me who, where and how I am. Uh, he runs a, a small computer consulting business uh, in New York City in the metro area, which he's recently spun off some some core services into a separate business. And uh, he uh, is doing some other bits and pieces, likes LinkedIn, um, says uh, it's similar to Facebook, but exclusively for business networking, wonders whether there might be an opportunity for uh, the Small Biz Pod to cover some of those online networks and and business uh, networking tools. And I think there there potentially is. I know LinkedIn has just passed its millionth member in the UK, as far as I can recall. I'm on LinkedIn if anyone wants to ping me. So thanks for that, Jonathan. And then uh, also we had uh, an interesting email from uh, Garrod O'Sullivan, who's an Irish guy living currently in New Zealand. Uh, It's quite a long email, um, and I... Basically, he he's he's saying he's a very small startup with limited capital and wants to know how you go about marketing, branding, e-commerce. Uh, would be very interested in Small Biz Pod covering some of the sort of more creative and artistic uh, business endeavours, and uh, also has questions on artistic integrity versus profit. And uh, so, interesting, really interesting ideas, and definitely prompted some thoughts on Small Biz Pod covering some of the creative. Uh, entrepreneurial activities that are out there so thank you ever so much for that um garrod and then finally um an email from john garrity who is working in washington dc or has been working in washington dc for uh several years and is inventing or has invented a new product called a body bottle a kind of a, a water bottle for joggers and he's uh, just writes to say uh, he very much enjoys the podcast and uh, he's offering me a jogging bottle. So there we are. Uh, I'm actually going to check it out. His, his story is an interesting one. It'd be interesting to see where he goes. A bit like another diary of the entrepreneur. I might check on John's progress in taking that water bottle to market 
in due course. Now, uh, Frappermap feedback. Dmitry Gravov is signed up and he says he's the first Russian listener. Loving the show. Thank you. Um, Dmitry, you aren't quite the first Russian listener. A couple of years back, I had a, a, a listener, at least, who put his uh, name on the Frapper map, his picture on the Frapper map, from Moscow. I can't quite see whether he's still there. He may have disappeared. Um, no, so nothing sinister, I'm sure, but there we are. So thanks for that, Dmitry. Uh, also, uh, thanks to MS Bowen who says, love the show, keep it coming. David Brazel, I think that's how David pronounces his name from Northern Ireland. Thanks also for sticking your picture on the Frapper map. And that is most of the feedback for, in fact, all of the feedback for now. Um, If you want to send comments, if you want to send show suggestions or topics or uh, proposals for a potential interviewee or entrepreneur that you'd like to hear or listen to or see even on Small Biz Pod at some point in the future, then drop me an email at alex at smallbizpod.co.uk. You might also want to leave a phone message. Uh, who knows? Uh, leave me a, a message on uh, the phone number on the site at smallbizpod.co.uk. Just click on contact. And uh, if you've got an audio comment, some thoughts on the show, some thoughts on maybe uh, Will's uh, interview this week uh, then just phone in leave a message and I'll play it on the next show uh, finally don't forget to if you have 5 or 10 minutes to uh, complete the Small Biz Pod survey on smallbizpod.co.uk do check out Sage click on the link there if you're interested in what they have to offer and that just about brings me to the end of this week's episode Bar saying that uh, Ninja Tunes, one of my favourite record labels, has uh, got a few artists now on um, Iota Promonet, which is one source of podsafe music for uh, podcasters like me. And as a special treat and a, and a rarity indeed, uh, I will be playing a track called uh, Duke of Hazard. So with what well, with King of Shades and Duke of Hazard as a sort of royal or, or aristocratic theme to this show. And the artist on the Ninja Tunes label is called as ever I've forgotten his name. Uh, very professional as usual of me. And yes, Blockhead. I'm the Blockhead. Forgotten his name. Blockhead. So yeah, this is Blockhead, Duke of Hazard on the Ninja Tune label. Many thanks. Thank you.